Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many of you know Robert Hay, Jr. Robert Hay, Jr. is a child of this church who now works for the Presbyterian Foundation, a financial institution which serves Presbyterian churches throughout the Southeast and helps them finance building campaigns or plan for their next stewardship season. He is also one of Robert Hay, Sr.'s two sons. Many of you know who Robert Hay, Sr. is. He was an associate pastor here working with our church's youth group for several years back in the 90s. And if I were to name the top five people who shaped and changed me so that I became the person I am today, Robert Hay Sr. would be at the top of that list because of the influence he had on me while I was in this church's youth group. That's what I was telling a man sitting next to me a few years ago at a conference that Robert Hay Jr. and I were both attending. I wanted this man to know that Robert and I knew each other and that we've known each other for a long time. So then Robert said to introduce me to this man. And if I were to look back on that time and name the top five kids from that youth group who we thought were least likely to become Presbyterian ministers. I'm not saying that Joe would be at the top of that list, but he would certainly be in it. Now, how could I go from Robert's list of the top five least likely to become Presbyterian ministers to becoming one? Well, People change. I've changed. You've changed. The revival in Kentucky reminds me that God acts in our lives. And if we step out in faith, we may move away from the person we once were and towards the person we are called by God to be. But remember now, not everyone wants us to change. Do you know what I mean by that? 
It's been said by the old country preachers that God loves us just as we are, but God loves us too much to want us to remain as we are. God loves us and calls us to change. God loves us too much to allow us to stay right where we are. And this morning, I want to preach about the problem this change causes in our relationships. For, in, for the, minute, the minute we start changing, sometimes we hit a wall in the form of people who are afraid that they will lose us if we change. I remember Reverend Robert Hay Sr. once saying that sometimes for high school students to turn over a new leaf, to get out of trouble, and to get away from drugs or alcohol, they must change their playmates and find a new playground. Surely their old playmates didn't want them to go, but this is the cost of change. This is the cost of discipleship. Stepping away from people who don't want us to grow or change. I've told you before that years ago, I would skip confirmation class here at First Presbyterian Church. My friends and I would get dropped off by our parents. We would walk through the glass front doors, wait for our parents to drive off, then walk back out those glass doors so that we could hang out by the railroad tracks behind the church building. There wasn't much for us to do back there, but it was fun. It was fun to be with my friends. In fact, at some point, I started to feel guilty for not being in confirmation class. However, going to the class might mean risking my friend's acceptance. If I walked away from them and went on to the class, would they still like me? If I walked away, would I still have a place in their circle? Likewise... Peter didn't want Jesus to go. And surely there were some of my friends who didn't want me to go either, so I told them that I was just going into the church to use the bathroom and I'd be right back. Only then I wandered on into the confirmation class. Bob Bomar, one of the confirmation class teachers, welcomed me in, no questions asked. And I'll never forget him for that. When he died just weeks ago, I thought about how he had been there to help me make the hard choice to be changed, to be transfigured, and to do something different from what my friends wanted me to do, and to become someone different than who my friends wanted me to be. I want you to know that Peter did not want Jesus to change. Peter wanted Jesus to stay the same, but God provided Moses and Elijah to help Jesus become the person he was called to be. Jesus was up on the mount, on the top of the mountain with Peter and James and his brother John in our second scripture lesson. While there, Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white. Next to him were Moses and Elijah, both known to be long dead. I heard a Sunday school teacher ask, now, children, how did the disciples know that they were Moses and Elijah? Had they ever seen them before? And someone in the class shouted out, maybe they had on name tags. <laughs> I don't know that they did, yet while this story is supernatural, and while you may never have heard of Transfiguration Sunday before today, think with me about how many movies have copied this exact scene 
when the hero must do something that takes tremendous courage. And Harry Potter, right before our hero goes to face the evil Voldemort, do you remember who shows up to help him, to encourage him? He's all by himself, prepared to turn himself over to the Dark Lord in the hopes of saving his friends. Alone and in the woods, he says the words, I'm ready to die. And out from a golden ball comes a resurrection stone. His mother, long dead, appears to him to say, You've been so brave, sweetheart. He asked the godfather who slipped away right in front of him, Does it hurt dying? He hears his father say, You're nearly there, son. One final look at them, he pleads, You'll stay with me? And one of them points to his heart, saying, We never left. We never will. The same thing happens in Star Wars. Do you remember that one? Before Luke Skywalker goes to fight Darth Vader, who shows up to encourage him? Dead people. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, long dead, shows up glowing and dazzling white. But before I go on to reveal just how many more sci-fi and fantasy movies I've paid too much attention to, let me get to the point. When heroes face an impossible task and the uh, encouragement comes from people long dead and dazzling white, Remember this moment from the Gospel of Matthew, this transfiguration, for that is where the authors and directors got it from. For just before Jesus takes his first steps towards Jerusalem and his death, Moses and Elijah show up to encourage him. Why them? Why Moses? Why Elijah? Because Peter certainly wasn't going to do it. Peter didn't want Jesus to go. Something about this whole experience up on the mountain made Peter say, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here up on this top mountaintop. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Then we can stay right here. Why would Peter say such a thing? What we know is that suddenly it became obvious to Peter that Jesus was even more than a teacher, even more than a miracle worker, and perhaps he would even have to do what he had just said he would do, go to Jerusalem and be crucified. If you notice, our second scripture lesson began six days later. Six days later from what? If you look up this passage and read just two paragraphs up, you'll read that the transfiguration occurs six days later from the moment Jesus told his disciples he would have to go to Jerusalem to be crucified. And they, if they were really his disciples, would take up their cross right with him. So suddenly it becomes obvious to Peter that Jesus is who he says he is, that he will be going through with his plan to be crucified, and if he, Peter, is really one of his disciples, he must go and face death along with him. Whoa. Wait just a minute, Peter must have said. 
Peter didn't want him to go. Once Peter realized that Jesus was serious, Peter didn't want him to go. It was about the same with Moses. Moses takes center stage in our first scripture lesson. Y'all, I once saw a bumper sticker that read, even Moses started out as a basket case. <laughs> That's true, he did. Born into a family of enslaved Hebrew people, Moses was placed in a basket by the mother who loved him so much that she made every effort to save him from an early death by the hand of his people's oppressors. He floated down the river in that basket and was saved by Pharaoh's daughter. Through a series of other miracles, he became a leader of the Hebrew people, leading them from slavery and into the promised land. And today's first scripture lesson, which Gene read, he was up on a mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights. Maybe you remember that he came down from the mountain changed by this experience. His skin was glowing. He was transfigured. The way he looked was different, just as it was with Jesus. However, maybe you remember that while Moses is changing and being transfigured, so many of the Hebrew people are trying to stay exactly the same. Would you be changed? Peter wanted Jesus to stay, asking, why don't we just stay right here? I'll build us three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Come on, Peter. No one gets to stay up on the mountaintop, do they? We all must be changed. I have five friends from college I get together with for one weekend every year. One is a lawyer. One is a counselor, one is in sales, one works for BMW, two of us are Presbyterian ministers. Every time we get together, I remember sitting in our old townhouse for the very last time. We had just graduated from college, we had to clear out. And I knew that from that moment on, nothing would ever be the same as it was. Peter didn't want him to go. Do you understand why? My dad told me that he remembers the moment I drove out of the driveway as a new driver, newly 16 years old. He stood in the driveway and thought to himself, well, there he goes. Peter didn't want him to go. Do you understand why? My mother helped her father move from his house to independent living at the Presbyterian village, then from independent living to assisted living, then from assisted living to memory care. Every move she made with him, there was less of his stuff to take. Every time he moved, he was closer to the end. Peter didn't want him to go. Do you understand why? I remember at the end of the school year having friends write in my yearbook, don't ever change. Yet everything changes. Change is the constant. 
We cannot make for ourselves and the people we love shelters up on mountaintops because the world keeps on spinning. The spirit keeps on calling and our hearts push us onward. So Jesus walked down from the mountaintop. Peter didn't want him to go, yet Jesus walked down from the mountain. And every step he takes from this point on brings him closer to his death. More than that. Every step he takes now brings him closer to his purpose. While Peter didn't want him to go, Peter needed him to go. As he moves towards the cross, he proves to us that the death we fear is not the end, but our destiny, our salvation, our redemption. Forward and not behind is the pathway to eternal life. But will you have the courage to be changed and to follow him as he goes? Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.